This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Travel Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, my name is Andrea Martinez, founder of Boom Hospitality, and what I love about travel is all the learning and opening new perspectives. The biggest hotels want to give their guests a personalized experience, and small boutique hotels know that their guests expect amenities that they can get from established brands. How can both discover the marketing and tech opportunities that allow them to be the destination of choice? From Barcelona to Venezuela, our next guest has seen the world and been a part of designing the very places you love to stay. She consults for boutiques and chains alike with a holistic approach to an accommodation venture's success. You'll hear how some new properties approach technology as a component of their guest experience. Top tip, it's all about the gram. This is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry. Hi, I'm here with Bess Chapman as a co-host of JetBlue Ventures. How you doing, Bess? Good. Always happy to to hang out with my co-host at Voyager. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're have a, we've had a full day. It's been awesome. But we're here with um, Andrea. I'm pronouncing that correctly. Andrea. Andrea. Yeah, close course, enough. Yeah. <laughs> Andrea. Um, I have a question for you right off the bat sure. about Boom Hospitality. What would be the first piece of advice that you would give an investor that's looking to develop a hotel? Really understand your market. I okay. think that's Oof, that, right that's no, it's it's so important and something that people usually overlook um, in this kind of era of very savvy travelers mm. that know what they want when they travel. It is so important that hoteliers know their market and know what they can offer to these travelers. Mm. And you specialize predominantly in boutique and you know kind of. Um, Unique experiences. If sure. I'm mistaken, right? um, I've done basically everything from the box kind of flagged hotels, mm. um, but definitely what I love, love to do and what I've done most of are very boutique um, kind of experimental concepts. Hmm. Yeah. I'd love to hear your take on technology within the hospitality industry because, you know, you kind of see this trend of like smart hotel rooms, right? Um, and then you see hotel rooms where people become want to be disconnected um, or have the same entertainment experience they have at home. Um, what is your take on technology and modern hospitality? Sure. Technology is so important in, in every aspect of life, obviously including hospitality. But I think hoteliers and people in the travel industry uh, need to understand that not every client or every guest is going to be the same. Uh, so I think simplicity is the most important thing when you're thinking about uh, technology in a hotel room. So if you want to equip your rooms with uh, uh, high-tech TVs and glasses and mirrors that are touchscreen and that you can do all these like crazy cool functions, that's, that's great because you're going to have travelers that like that. Um, but you need to keep it simple enough so that everyone can use it and everyone wants to use it and it doesn't become kind of an overwhelming experience for your guest. What's the 
What's the most interesting or maybe the most um, effective way that you've seen technology used in one of these hotels? Sure. I think I mean mentioned to these mirrors. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen these, but they're basically just... Uh, From Black Mirror? Like the super... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, basically. Like the super they're they're actually really cool. Yeah. They look like mirrors. So if you don't want to be exposed to the technology, you just have a mirror in your room. And then every other feature in the in the room is going to be your traditional hotel experience. But if you do want to have a more high-tech experience, a more interactive experience with your room and with the hotel, you touch a button and all these cool features like um, a digital concierge comes up, um, interactive map, um, online magazines that you can read from this mirror and you can kind of move the mirror out from the wall and closer to the to the bed. And it's just very interactive and very fun. And it is equipped with things that guests want and are going to use versus just kind of overwhelming them with all these like things and categories that they're not going to use. Um, so I think that is the coolest way that I've seen technology uh, be part of the experience um, in hotel rooms. And I, I hope people start using them more. That's so interesting. Yeah. Are you seeing like, so did you actually start uh, or did you actually implement one of those? Yeah, I'm actually in doing it in a very boutique hotel in Latin America. Oh, I got to go there. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a tiny room, a uh, tiny hotel. Sorry, it's only 20 rooms, but it's like top notch. They're really going all out mm. on all these 20 rooms. And obviously the public spaces are gorgeous. And we're putting one of these mirrors in each room and kind of doing a testing to see how people how people do with it. But from the research that I've done with properties that already have this um, abroad, it's doing really well. And People seem to like it. And I think that's a very interesting way of implementing it, implementing technology without it being kind of all in your face. You know, sometimes it seems like um, so I was in a, a, an illusion. Um, I was in Paris and I stayed on in one of the hotels that I stayed at was uh, on a barge. It was a really cool um, hotel because I converted a barge into um, into a hotel. It was all chic and modern and uh, weirdly affordable um <laughs> <laughs> but it um uh the thing that i thought was really funny is they had everything run through this same central um like it looked like a thermostat essentially on the wall and um uh, but the main thing it did was just change lights in the room okay. and i was like it seems like i kind of lost opportunity to do something even more like potentially a, a source of ancillary revenue like if you're upselling things through a this this unique experience that you're describing in a mirror, there's like way more depth you can get into with that type of thing as opposed to a thermometer that just changes the lights. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like true. everything ran through it. So you like call the front through that. I was like, it's pretty interesting. It's cool, but you know, it seems almost already antiquated compared to the things sure. you're describing. I think, yeah, definitely things are, are changing so quickly that it's important also to not and, – and maybe invest – too much money in the current technology because you know it's gonna it's gonna change quickly. So it's it's a matter of setting yourself up so you can easily adapt to the request of your guests as well. Yeah, I mean, my next question is: so you work primarily with hotel boutique hotels, but obviously we're seeing just a huge uptick in startups um, as a as a VC. I'm seeing a huge uptick in startups in the home share space. So Domeo, Sonder, Lyric, um, just it's a really, really crowded market um, that are kind of layering on top of Airbnb as obviously the original disruptor. What is your take on that space and 
you know, you're a, you're a consultant for hotel brands, but do you see a world where you would consult for a home share? Sure. Um, I mean, Airbnb and those kind of home share ideas and, and startups are definitely disturbing our market. Uh, but I think it's a good thing because I think um, it's been a great disruptor for big box and flagged hotels where they realize that the market is changing and they have to change with it. I think boutique hotels aren't as affected by that. Um, strangely enough, because, I mean, you have luxury experiences on on an Airbnb platform as well, but I think the the boutique traveler uh, is looking for something very specific, um, something that boutique hotels offer that maybe a home share space can't do, because I know Airbnb has these sort of experiences that they're offering as well, which is super cool, uh, but it's in my experience and the experience of people that I talk to and travelers that I've discussed this with, it's just not quite the same um, as you would get in a very luxury boutique hotel. Um, do I see myself consulting for home share? Uh, yeah, it's definitely an interesting market for me, especially as as it grows. Um, I think my my experience with boutique hotels would transfer very well to like luxury um, home share projects. Um, something that I've thought about but I'm still kind of researching and thinking about a little bit more before I, I dive I mean, in. Between Bess and I, we could probably introduce you to some pretty interesting people to chat with on that. Um, that that's super cool. So what's kind of like the, what's a, what's the dream job for you in terms of like, what would be the perfect uh, hospitality experience? Sure. Um, I think I'm living my dream right now, to be honest. I I'm I'm working on such great projects with such great people. And I think that's the beauty of like hospitality and travel and hospitality development that you're just surrounded by just like such interesting people at all times from all different kind of walks of life that that just have a passion for travel and hotels and development and all of that. So I, I really can't think of of a situation that I would rather be in than the situation that I am now where I just I get to be creative and create things with with wonderful people on a global scale it's really it's really fantastic and how did you arrive there you know how did you get into this yeah so it was kind of a weird life turn I started my career in um, nonprofit management I was kind of that idealistic 18-year-old that wanted to change the world and, and make the world a better place. And I thought nonprofits and foundations were the way forward. Um, and then when I started working, obviously I had intern internship experience, but once I started doing it full time, I just realized that that wasn't the way forward for me. Um, obviously, I still support a lot of foundations that I, I believe um, are doing great jobs, but I, I realized that you definitely have to implement kind of a, a more creative approach to dealing with world issues. Um, I was living in Miami at the time. I, I, I saw the effects of the recession in Miami, but I also saw a lot of opportunity from international clients coming to Miami and buying up properties and trying to figure out what to do with those properties. So it kind of, it, it was like a fork in the road for me where I was kind of like, what, okay, so I don't like what I'm doing. Um, how do I make a, a cool change in my life where I can still kind of make a difference? Um, and, and basically it was, it, it was a lot of luck where I, I met these very cool investors, uh, down in Miami who were 
set on building hotels in the area. I hadn't I didn't know anything about hospitality and they kind of opened their doors to me and and we kind of went through the process together. They had banking experience, so also no hospitality experience and we kind of learned together and from there we just built really cool projects and and met other really cool people and that's kind of how I got into the space. Yeah. Bumped into the hospitality industry almost. Yeah, it was it was definitely by I always loved hotels and I always loved hospitality. I loved traveling. Uh, my background was international relations, so anything kind of uh, international and global was always very exciting to me. But I just never – I never thought of hospitality as a career um, when I was younger. But definitely when that was presented to me, it was interesting, and, and I think I, I found my calling through that. And as someone who's clearly so passionate about this space, what do you think is the next big thing in hospitality? What is, what is going to disrupt – your industry next? Sure. I mean, there's so many things to talk about, but right now I'm really interested in, and I'm doing a lot of research and uh, going to a lot of talks about how we make development in general, construction, more sustainable. Hmm. So obviously we have lead buildings and we have certifications and we have all of that, but how do we build buildings that not only are less harmful for the environment, but long-term make the environment better? How do we not only try to reduce our CO2 emissions, but also how do we kind of revert that and how do we make our green, our buildings greener and how do we incorporate that into the hospitality space and become and have that become part of the experience? I think that's a really interesting conversation that a lot of people seem to be having. Um, so I think that's going to be the the next big, big thing. It's like, how do we figure out how to make hospitality uh, and sustainability kind of intermarriage and and work together. Are there any examples of, of uh, you know, sustainability that you've been able to imbue in some of the projects you've done? Uh, yeah, I'm actually taking notes from the One Hotel concept, which is a concept that a lot of people know. They've taken kind of recycled materials and they're building with that. Um, you see a lot of greenery in their spaces. Um, so that kind of concept we're trying to um, replicate a lot of the, the things that they've used and all the concepts that they used in smaller boutique hotels, but also make there's just one project that I'm not allowed to to really discuss uh, in detail. It's kind Ooh, of a confidential project. Yeah. Uh, but it's <laughs> in it's <laughs> it's down in Latin America, and we're basically building it almost like in a cave within a mountain. It's like a really interesting project. Um, so we're trying to think with the engineers and the architects, we're in the the very beginning development phases. How do we build this hotel without disturbing the outside environment and without having to build anything other than just supporting structures? So that's kind of a very interesting project that I'm working on. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I'm trying to remember this. this um, I saw this thing on Netflix that was uh, a hotel in a rainforest and the only reason the rainforest was still there because the rest of it had been cleared in that area i can't remember where this is it's totally uh. it's bothering me um but they made the whole hotel just sustainable with that rainforest yeah. and he just had bought that land and was like i guess i'll put a hotel there and um that now is like a destination yeah. hotel uh experience so I should send that to you. Yeah, please do. There's actually, now that I'm thinking about it, there's another hotel in Ecuador that did something similar to that. So they built this, that one. They, they built the structure so it looks like a hill. 
Um, so the animals around it aren't disturbed by the structure. They just think it's part of like the rainforest and part of their home. But there's actually people staying under this hill. It's actually a structure. So that's like a really cool thing. Um, also, I also forget the name of this hotel in Africa where it's the, I think it's a giraffe hotel where it's the hotel is part of a this sanctuary. whole giraffe sanctuary and experience. And um, I think those concepts are really cool. They're very different, but they're they're not disturbing the environment in, in the traditional way that a hotel would. And I think yeah. things like that, like the PR, you just mentioned the giraffe hotel and all <laughs> three of us were kind of like, oh, yeah, I, I've yeah. heard of that. And personally, it's through Instagram, right? For so sure. So how do you kind of factor in social media and these shareable moments when you're working on projects? Uh, I think the first step is to sit down with my client when we're having that introductory meeting and conversation about what they want to develop making marketing and PR a part of the conversation from the beginning. Uh, because I've seen many instances where maybe I come into the project halfway done or um, almost at completion, then they just need me to kind of give them give them my feedback. And they're opening the hotel in two months' time and they haven't done any PR. They haven't started their marketing. Um, their website isn't isn't user-friendly and like it, little things like that. So I think it's, it's a matter of sitting down and making that one of the priorities. Uh, so my priority is design. Priority is construction management. Uh, priority is guest experience. And one of the priorities should be PR and marketing always. Um, just because that's how people find you. It's not the traditional way where it's like, oh, I'm an honors member and I'm going to go to the honors website and, and book through there. It doesn't work like that anymore. And, and people have to be conscientious of that. We should dig into that more. But uh, before that, sure. I would love to see you brought us something, I think. Today. I did. I brought you some cookies that I'm like obsessed with. <laughs> um, they're so good. We've had a lot of cookies today. I'm really excited. Oh, I saw you have some donuts too. <laughs> I saw those donuts earlier. They're just really good. They're like these Italian cookies that have Nutella inside them oh in these God. and then oh, Nutella man. like on the surface. Mm. I'm like a chocolate addict. So this is a perfect excuse to have these. <laughs> so I've all these in here and we'll have them later. Great. They're so good. Well, let's dig into it. Yeah. Cool. That's a break. Let's eat that stuff. And then <laughs> <laughs> They're so good. Uh, coming up, you'll hear from Andrea on the marketing experience for hotels. How can they create more local experiences through their brand partnerships? And what part of the travel experience that people start to think about their hotel stay? Are you interested in conversations about the crossroads of business and innovation? What if those conversations were about the largest industry in the U.S.? Hi, I'm Tom Kutzman. If you answered yes to both of those questions, then it's about time you check out Real Estate Is Your Business on the Mouth Media Network. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, realestateisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at travelisyourbusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to mouthmedianetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest, 
Or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. When you talk to your clients, where in the booking flow of kind of dreaming about travel and within that whole ribbon, do you see really driving um, hotel booking? Is it that you want people to travel to a destination for your hotel or they're already going to the destination and you urge them to stay at the hotel? Um, What is your approach there and how do you think it's kind of changed in the current ecosystem? Sure. I think you definitely uh, get a little bit of both. Uh, But I think in the current ecosystem, it's become a lot more common to hear a guest say, oh, I saw your hotel online. I saw you on Instagram. I saw your website. And that is what made me come to this destination, which is something that you heard very less frequently before. Um, so I think that's really interesting where a person is thinking, okay, I want to I want to travel. I want to go somewhere I've never been. And they're kind of doing their research on it. And they see a great hotel. And right away, that's how they decide that that's where they're going to go. Um, obviously, you still have people that say, well, I wanted to go to Cartagena, for example, and I was looking at hotels and and yours popped up through like ads, Google Analytics or something like that. Um, But yeah, you definitely see clients just traveling to see these spaces, which is really cool. It's become such a big part of the experience, you know, Um, like it's almost to have that unique experience, you almost just want to find the place that would allow for it. So it's become much more a part of inspiration as you're describing. You probably see more of that, though, with with these boutiques because they go for some un- unique perspective. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we have, for example, in the same hotel in, in Cartagena, we'll have a coffee night where, I mean, Colombian coffee is known around the world. People don't know how it's harvested. They don't understand um, what it takes. It's a really, it's it's a very difficult thing to, to harvest and process coffee beans are. Um, and people in this community are so specialized at it and they have such an interesting take on what it's like to create these coffee beans and how we then export this around the world. And and it's great to see people that say, well, no, it's because I went on your website and I saw you hosted this amazing event uh, that I would have never experienced otherwise. And and that's where I were coming here to see events like this and, and have these um, local experiences, and I say experiences kind of with a grain of salt because a lot of people throw that word around when it doesn't mean much. Um, I think it's in this growing economy, uh, this growing like travel industry where people are becoming more savvy. Uh, you have to be very careful as to what you call a local experience. Um, let's define what local means. Um, is it is Are you as a hotelier giving the person what you think they want? Or are you really bringing these brands and these uh, restaurants and these chefs and these farmers and these things that are really local, that that really create the essence of the city that they're going to, that the, the destination country that, they're, that they want to experience and they want to travel to? Is that really what you're giving them? Are you giving them a true local experience? I think uh, that has become extremely important for hoteliers to think about, for hotel managers to think about. And I think it's just going to become more and more important um, as we go along. It's like two pieces that make that I, I imagine pretty difficult right the uh the fact that there's so many different types of there's so much noise right there's so exactly. many experiences you could be having um you know airbnb has a ton of experiences if you want to go that route and so it does this next startup and these this thing you saw on cnn and 
people get their their um their types of experiences from such different places um but then balancing what will get through that noise with mm -hmm. what's actually local um has there been any way that you've been able to align a brand partnership in a way that that was able to do both sure i think uh, understanding the market, as we discussed before, is extremely important. So even yeah. if I'm not from the place where I'm working at, I try to surround myself with people who are who are natives. I'm not native Colombian, so I had a great concierge who I sat down and strategized with, and he said, "Hey, what is what is cool in Colombia that you that you think that guests would be interested in, or what is what is cool in Colombia that locals are very interested in." Um, what kind of food are you eating? What kind of maybe not restaurant top chef? What what kind of street food are the people in the communities eating? What kind of experiences are you looking for from your city? And that's kind of how you have these kind of conversations. Um, just to give an example, if we think about a, a market that we that most Americans understand, like Miami, where you have a lot of hotels on Miami Beach. But South Beach is very different from the true Miami, from the mainland Miami, as the natives call it. So it's, okay, you're going to Miami. A lot of people are, yeah, they're going to party, but a lot of people are, are coming to have that kind of the U.S. meets Latin America experience and, and all that great food that we have. So how do we transform a South Beach hotel into a true Miami hotel? Well, we do that by going to places like Versailles, which is like our, our mecca for Cuban food and talking to Versailles and saying like, hey, would you mind coming and, and maybe giving a talk about how to make the best Cuban sandwich to our guests and maybe having samples of the, the Cuban sandwich in our lobby. And that's a more true local experience than if I had my caterer make Cuban sandwiches. It's it's very different when you when you partner yourself and you and you create these alliances with true locals and true natives of these destinations. Are you seeing? So you've done this this one in particular with um, did that actually happen with the? the oh, no, Versailles. No, I'm using as that example. as an example that okay. most people that travel to Miami would understand. Yeah. yeah, that would be great though. I that's a great idea. I might actually do that now. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So I guess is would the goal be to because there's twofold, right? You want somebody to stay in the hotel in the first place. Sure. And event marketing is pretty difficult depending on what location they're going to be coming from, right? It's not, if it was a big conference, then you have a culmination of everybody in one place and you're actually pulling from a lot of different mm -hmm. locations. Um, but there's also the added benefit of doing an event for the people who are already there. Mm -hmm. And I guess uh, what would be the goal for the event in that instance? Is it, you know, would somebody see that event would you have to be promoting it for three, four months? I guess what would be the advice that you'd give to the hotelier to do something of that nature and provide that experience? Sure. I think, yes, definitely planning and preparation is important. Uh, there are some markets and also depending on the location of your hotel where if there, you have a lot of walkthroughs and you have um, maybe you already have a great restaurant inside the hotel and you already have that foot traffic. Um, you prepare maybe two months in advance and you market it within the people that are already coming to your hotel. If you don't have that kind of foot traffic, you really have to prepare, I would say, maybe three, four months in advance and definitely push it, push mm -hmm. it through your local partner who already has a name, who's already recognized in the market. Right. Use them as a great resource um, and definitely promote it with local PR agencies and um, it's, it's, it's an effort. It's an effort to get people through the door when it's an event like that, but it's definitely worth it because you're creating brand loyalty and bringing more guests. 
Do you end up, sorry, I keep asking yeah, all these yeah, questions. Do you end up negotiating contracts with um, with travel agents and OTAs as well for the, on behalf of the hotels? Uh, yeah, there's times when I do. There's times mm-hmm. when I have, the if they have already a general manager on board, I let the general manager take care of that. But yeah. Got you. Yeah. So is there, um, has there been a unique way that you've had to, to leverage maybe an OTA for the purpose of, of foot traffic that uh, benefited? one of your clients? Sure. Um, I think running specials um, has been the best way that I've I've known in, in my limited experience with OTAs of how to manage that. If I'm running a special and I say, well, two nights and an experience, whatever that experience is for whatever amount of money, I think that's been a very successful way because obviously you get that occupancy in the hotel, um, but you also get that kind of um, – participant in this whatever experience it is and then you're able to market that and use that information to further market your your property Hmm. very interesting yeah awesome so andrea you work a lot with boutique brands um and i think you're seeing kind of an interesting dichotomy right now between those brands and the legacy hotel hotel brands you know your marriott hilton etc um what did these kind of dinosaurs that the industry have to learn from the boutique brands um, and how is that necessary for their survival if it is necessary? Sure. I mean, you already see the steps that they've been taking, right? So you have Hilton that came out with this curio collection, which is supposed to compete with these boutique hotels uh, where they're basically just going to the best boutique hotels that they can find in the market that are interested in having the Hilton honors and um, Hilton rewards uh, program within their hotel. And they're just basically taking over. Um, But I think you still have that very corporate, very boxy experience, even within those hotels, once those flags take over. So I think that they would be better served if they could keep the processes that, that make that machine work, keep the, the honors, keep the rewards, but also pay more attention to detail, pay more attention to the markets, really analyze what the guests wants and and be more specific and purposeful in the way that you're executing projects. I think that's a great lesson that flagged hotels need to take from from more boutique hotels. Yeah. And, and how do loyalty programs play into that? Because coming from an airline perspective, we kind of see a similar dichotomy there where we're fighting – these legacy brands where customers just have a lifetime worth of points with that brand. And it's really hard, even if they love your JetBlue brand, for them to break away from the legacy. So how does that affect um, what you do? Sure. I mean, you still see that. Uh, A business corporate traveler is more likely to stay in in one of these um, branded hotels just because they've had years of point accumulation. Uh, You have maybe international clients that have never been part of the points and they really don't care for them. Mm -hmm. And you have this newer generation um, that hasn't grown up with points and they want local experiences. So there's a market for everyone. I'm not saying that boutiques are coming in to take the the business of of bigger hotels because they have a market and they have a market for a reason. Um, And people do want their loyalty points, but there's also a segment of the market that doesn't want that. And it's, it's just very different. And speaking of markets, um, you know, we're talking about obviously different spending and uh, preferences there. But uh, what what markets do the hotels that you've worked with mostly operate in? Is it 
in, you mentioned Latin America, but also where else? Sure. I've done um, Latin America extensively, South Florida extensively, a lot of the bigger U.S. cities, New York City, um, working on a project in Toronto right now. Um, done some of the Caribbean, uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico, um, one in Barcelona. Everywhere, so man. yeah, a little, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's been great. Are there are there some uh, some big uh, differences between, that you've seen? You know, maybe in the Toronto project, it's vastly different than the Latin American project. You know, yeah, I like. I think it's a politics plays a, a big role in how you develop projects in different cities, just because the permits are different. Um, I'm developing a project in Venezuela right now, which is a, be- a beautiful hotel project. The, my investors are great. The clients that I'm working with are, are fantastic. The project is spectacular. Um, but obviously, Venezuela is a very difficult market right now. Why the political instability? Um, it's hard to get resources in and out of the country. Um, the talent is there, but they don't have the platform to work. Um, so it's hard to find laborers when you do have the material. It just it just becomes a very complicated project, which could have been a lot easier. Um, so that would be very different from a project in New York City where there's a rule of law and there's a way of doing things and there's a process in development and construction and you can create a schedule and stick to it and you can create a budget and stick to it. Um, in in the I wish New York did that more because it seems like they open yeah. up things like a half year later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. <laughs> very. Um, but yeah, the Latin American market is is known for being a little bit slower because of that. Rules change every day and you just have to adapt to them. So I think that's the difference in the market. Uh, European markets tend to – they're more similar to the U.S. market where you kind of can um, – have a budget and a schedule and and stick to it. You kind of know what a project is going to cost long term, and uh, they're much more stable markets. It's what I, I what I should say than than the Latin American market. But that's kind of what it makes the Latin American market um, so fun to work with. Awesome. Yeah. Coming up, you'll hear more from Andrea in Off the Beaten Path. Hey, everybody, this is Vikram Iyer, former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think, but we're going to unpack that for you. Join me at the American Enough podcast on the Mount Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. Welcome back. We're here with Andrea of Boom Hospitality, and we're going to dig into what's not just about business. We're going to learn about Andrea more. And we do that with the help of our airport personnel. Best Chapman, please report to gate 53B. And that's you, Bess. So, Andrea, you obviously stay at a lot of different hotels and even shape what those experiences look like. For you personally, where is your favorite place to stay when you're traveling for leisure? Sure. Um, let's see. If I'm in New York, 
well, I live in New York now, but when I used to visit New York, the Mark is my favorite New York hotel. I, it's a classic. I'm, I'm never going to get bored of it. I love it. The service is amazing. The the just the space is beautiful. Um, when I'm in Miami, the Ventra Hotel, because that was my baby. That was the first hotel I ever built, and it's it's, it's still one of the loves of my life. Um, obsessed with that hotel. Um, in Venezuela, when I'm working on the project there, I stay at the Cayena, which is a beautiful boutique hotel uh, right in the center of Caracas. Um, just varies. There's so many new cool concepts coming up. So I think I have my my true love hotels that I that I come back. But when I'm in a new market, a new city, I definitely like to check out different hotels. And we go back to our airport personnel. Attention, passenger John Matson, report to gate 22. And oh, surprise, surprise, that was for me. Um, so, um, Andrea, I was curious. You've traveled quite a bit. Is there anywhere that you've traveled that makes you feel like it could be a second home? Oh, that's a great question. There's so many great cities. Um, second home. Not for any particular reason, but like Amsterdam is it's when I go to Amsterdam, I really feel like I'm I'm there and I'm home and I get it. And there's just something there's a magic to that city that makes me feel very at ease, um, which sounds kind of very aloof and very I don't know. I don't really have a real reason. It just feels great when I'm there. And I think that if I ever had to leave New York, that's where I would go. Awesome. Yeah. Great answer. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, you know, we've talked about a bunch of things here today, but is there a final thought that you'd like to share? Something that, you know, it could be a reflection on today's conversation or just your experiences overall? I think piece of advice would just kind of go back to the conversation that we had is that how did I get into this industry? Obviously, I, I didn't start my career thinking that this is where I was going to, what I was going to be doing. Um, hotel development and construction management were not top of the list for me. Uh, but I think if you flow with kind of what's going on in your life and you really uh, work really hard and, 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 and stay open-minded to what is, is available to you, I think that's how you find success. Don't, don't close any doors thinking that, you know, this is not what I want to do. This is not something that I plan for. Just just stay open and stay hungry and and learn and travel. <laughs> awesome. And how can uh, someone get in touch with you or your work at Boom Hospitality? Sure. So my website's boomhospitality.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. My name's Andrea C. Martinez. And you can find me on Instagram under Andrea C. Matz. Awesome. Well, thanks again for hanging out with us today. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Learned a lot. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And uh, for my co-host, Beth Chapman. Um, And I'm Beth Chapman. Happy trails. I'm your host, John Matson. Bon voyage. This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening.
This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.